Hi, fitness professionals. This is a Fitness Business Secrets podcast, and I'm your host, Christy Oshita. What is this show about? This show is all about finding the inside secrets of what other fitness trainers and gym owners are doing to grow their clients, add additional streams of income, reduce expenses, and possibly even franchise or expand their business. There's so many ways you can grow in the fitness business, and a lot of people aren't talking about it. In this first season of Fitness Business Secrets, I talked to some amazing fitness entrepreneurs who are doing all kinds of things to make money and grow their business. For example, I talked to Jamie Shields. She has a woman's focused boutique fitness studio. She told me her secret of starting a gym with a partner, what she wished she did and didn't do, and how she was able to open a different location and then grow it with classes and fitness challenges. I also talked to Stephen Whittier, who helps other trainers turn their regular training program into an online training business. Imagine making a couple of thousands of dollars every month. He was fantastic in showing me what the pitfalls are that other trainers are doing that postpone the success of their online training business. I also talked to Alan Meisner, who lives in Panama, uh, semi-retired, and he has this phenomenal training business with an app. He has his own gym in Panama now, and he does online training. He wrote a book. I also talked to Louise Clancy, who lives in England, and she has an amazing, highly profitable, low low capital intensive business doing Pilates in different community centers, schools. And she told us how to pinpoint our ideal client so that we're speaking to them properly in our Facebook ads and in our marketing. And she sees incredible, I think it was 30 to 40% conversions from her Facebook ads, which we all know is expensive and sometimes doesn't work. I also got to talk to Chas Young, who had her own cycling TRX boutique fitness studio that targeted busy professionals in the Calgary downtown market, how she started her business with just a small budget and was able to grow to 250 clients. I also got to talk to Ronnie Loiza, who's located in LA and focuses on the senior citizen market. How do you approach them? What type of pricing packages do you do? And how do you do a sales funnel with them where you're not giving out too many comps? Oh, I also talked to Eliezer Perez, who went from homeless to being one of the top salespeople in fitness and for agencies. We got to do some role plays, which would be incredible for not just in-person, but over-the-phone sales. So if you have any clients that you're hoping to upgrade to bigger packages through virtual training, you can actually use a role-playing script that we have transcribed on the website fitnesssecrets.co to compare with your sales script and see how you could possibly improve. Another interesting person I spoke to was J.R. Spear. He talked about how to successfully put on one-day events, how to make sure people show up, how to make sure people convert, and how to sell these high-ticket packages or memberships in these one-day events without having a lot of overhead, meaning only a few people staff it. And the interesting thing is you can actually use this to grow an online training business too. I also spoke to David Leons. He overcame a debilitating MS diagnosis to become very niched in what he trains in his fitness business. What's really interesting about David is he's created multiple streams of passive income 
by creating training videos on how to train and exercise even if you have MS. He's even done a certification program for other personal trainers so that they can learn how and get certified in training others with MS. Another really interesting person I spoke to this season is Jake Fouts. He has a successful personal training gym in Florida and he does it in a way where he's either renting out or partnering with professionals who offer services in the space. This has allowed him to keep the operation simple, make sure the gym still runs well, and focus on sales and his own personal training. Oh, and I cannot forget about Ali Cavill. In Australia, where she works, she's actually teaching fitness to kids through summer camps and is making enough money during the spring, winter, and summer breaks to allow her to do a lot of pet charity projects throughout the year. She was gracious enough to tell us how her business works and maybe how you can do it too. Oh, and of course, there's Kisa Davison. She's like an amazing real estate gym tycoon. In Montana, she actually is growing her gym portfolio and her real estate portfolio through the fitness business. You have to listen to that one. Also, Dennis Yu, I used to think Facebook ads were pretty much dead unless you were really good, but he explained to me a very simple formula to use Facebook ads, Instagram ads on a dollar a day. So if you're looking to get more clients and you have a dollar to spare, check out that episode. Well, there's so many great episodes this season, and maybe you can tell from the different topics that there's a lot of different ways that I try to deep dive in to find out the real things people are doing to get more income, to expand their clients, to grow their revenue, to keep life interesting, and to grow their fitness empire. If you're curious how to create multiple streams of income through passive income, such as online training, uh, online content, videos, Facebook groups, Facebook ads, growing your gym business, or like Kisa, growing your real estate empire through your gym business, growing your home business, virtual training, an app. There's so many ways I'm here to cover it. If you're looking for more info on a specific topic, make sure to reach out to me and give me feedback on the podcast. You can reach out to me in our Facebook group at Fitness Business Secrets. So go to facebook.com, search Fitness Business Secrets, and join the group. When I ran my gym in New York City, I really enjoyed being the cheerleader for the management team and the trainers and the class instructors and also the marketing team and the strategy team. And now that I've sold that and I'll tell you my story in a little bit, I'm excited about helping you grow your fitness business online, through passive income, through more clients in person, and helping you reduce your expenses so that you can make more money, have more time for yourself, and keep it interesting. Before we get to these amazing interviews with these fitness experts, I'm going to share with you my story of moving to New York City broke without any job or money, uh, starting the tennis school that became pretty large and then eventually opening a women's boutique studio in Brooklyn. It's been a crazy journey and I hope you enjoy the story. Fitness coaches, get more clients by learning the secret techniques successful trainers and gym owners are using to grow their business in person and online. Create multiple streams of income by training clients online, selling challenges, and growing your membership. This is the Fitness Business Secrets Podcast, and I'm your host, Christy Oshita. I've built two fitness businesses to about a half million dollars each by improving marketing, sales, and operations. Let's grow your sales and your clients. 
Hey, fitness business secrets listeners, before we get to the show, here's something I've been working on. I know it's a tough time for us in the fitness business. A lot of us have lost our whole business. So I asked myself, how could I help trainers and gym owners like you build your business online? And how could I also help everyone else who's stressed at home trying to stay healthy? Then I was jogging and I realized the solution that all of us coaches can do to help everyone stay healthy, positive, and grow your business. I'm gonna share this big aha with you during the break, so make sure to stay tuned. Hi, fitness professionals. This is Christy, and I'm so excited that you're here. It's taken me a long time to get here. I've been in the fitness business for a really long time, so I'm gonna talk about my experience running a fitness business in two different fitness industries, how I was able to grow my businesses both to almost about half a million dollars. And I didn't put that much capital in the first one, which is a tennis school called Bumblebee Tennis. And the second one I had, I did put a decent amount of capital. And then I'll just talk about what I found really helped push the business and how I hope I can help you expand your fitness business. So whether you are a yoga instructor, personal trainer, nutritionist, small boutique fitness studio, there's going to be lessons, interviews, trainings that I hope to share with you so that you can rock your business this year, get more clients, build efficiency, and just find more happiness. So it was 2000 and 2006, I think, that I moved, or 2005, that I moved to New York City. I was just graduated college, probably around 22, 23, did not know what I was doing. I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't have a job. I didn't know anyone. I do not have a large extended family, and any family I do was not in New York City. I scared my parents. I told them I had a plan. Did not have a plan. I moved to New York City. I lived in, I found this place in Sunset Park, uh, which would be interesting to me later. And then I, I got a job. I was thinking I was, you know, marketing fashion or something. So I got this job at a jewelry place in Hawthorne, New York. So I, they told me I had to move closer to like somewhere in the Bronx. So literally Craigslist girl. This was when Craigslist was useful, but just as dangerous, guys, just as dangerous. So I I found some random person who let me move into a room. Now, let me tell you, this room was not a room. It was in a living room and they put a plywood board, not even real drywall, like literally a piece of plywood that was two, one and a half inches thick. And they put that up as the divider and then they put some type of door and that was the room. But it was, you know, my fault. I It was like $400 a month. I was like, that's a steal. I'll get take this job. Great. And just a side thing, the, the flooring was just awful. Like it was this wood flooring that was creaky and like must have been 50 years old. Just terrible shape. It was just a horrible, it was in the South Bronx and not a safe place for me to be as a single, naive, very, very naive woman. So that I, I, and then I, the crazy thing is, is the job turned out to be terrible inventory, not turned out, not my thing. And I, after a month, I left that job. And then I moved to Chinatown in Manhattan and 
I would say this is a better situation because in the Bronx I was living with, this guy I didn't know who was like 250 pounds maybe. I might be exaggerating. And so he kind of went ballistic on me when I moved out. And that was another story. I had to take him to court. So rough time. Rough time, I had to say. So I moved to Chinatown. I, I got this, like, this girl is moving out. She's like, you can take over my spot, which was a living room. I think, I literally don't think it was bigger than the size of a king size, king bed. Like, it was 10 feet by, if that, maybe 8 feet by 8 feet. The living room that had no dividers, and it turned out the girls that I was moving in with did not know what was happening, and I was a stranger danger. I was just like showed up. I was like, oh, she she said I could rent this place. Anyhow, anyhow, this shows life just got better, <laughs> just got better. So I, I, I lived there for a couple months until they kicked me out. So and then I ended up living with the person I was seeing at that time. This was only after seeing them for like a couple months. So that was kind of rushed, but it worked out. And after trying a couple of jobs, I realized that my tennis skills, because I grew up playing tennis, I taught tennis in Hawaii in college, would was would pay pretty good hourly. So I got a job at a tennis club teaching tennis. And then I started teaching tennis one-on-one and in group lessons at different tennis courts and spots really crazy. I'd find random spots all over the city to create a tennis court and offer lessons. So after doing a season at this place called Satini's Tennis Club in New York City, I just really 100% went at it. I printed flyers. I tried to put on a summer tennis camp. I I got one-on-one clients and I would teach back to pack for like six hours on Sunday in, in around 14th Street. So that was Really, that was really successful, but very hard. And I would post on Craigslist. I would, I started creating an email list. I created a website. So I was able to build that business over, I think, three, four, three years to almost a half a million dollars. And we had leases with the city at, at our height where we had, a, we would, during the summer, we would pay to use a tennis court and be the licensed tennis instructor which was tricky because people would also take over, take, would also teach. And then we'd also do public schools and we'd do private schools. We'd, we'd rent out their space to offer tennis lessons. So that was, that was great. And I learned a lot about creating classes, offering fitness, liability, creating different promotions. And then I transitioned out of that. I had someone take it over and I decided, I thought about it and I guess I still wanted to be in fitness. And so I I sort of bought but took over some of the assets of a, a closed gym in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And that was really where my education in fitness, personal training, marketing campaigns really took off because this was a different beast. In New York City, uh, it's like there's so much demand for tennis lessons and what I was offering. And since it's hard to find tennis courts, there was the demand was already there. And it was all about execution. In the Alana, there was a lot of gyms and we needed is a a lot about marketing. So it was about maintaining the excitement and getting clients to come in and wowing them and helping them see results and operations and staffing. I mean, 
so that was really hard. And I became obsessed with how do I get more clients? How do I do that? And my MBA in fitness leads and marketing started there. On the other side, I didn't have to worry as much about leasing space and worrying if the gate was open and if there was issues with the space because it was ours. And that was great. So there was pros and cons. And because I didn't have to worry about location, I was able to really grow more because I could just focus, just focus on the business and, and also not worry about the the space being taken away because it was a short-term lease or the, the school in, in Bumblebee Tennis, the school sometimes would say, oh, we actually have a big event or a film shoot. So with Alana, I had to hire trainers. I had to get the best trainers incurred and like get them really excited to to work with us because it's a tight labor market and get managers and staff train them and the I remember one of the first days I hired somebody who was like the cousin of somebody else and one of the trainers and she asked me what do I do and I'm thinking I don't know what do you do when you work here. I guess you sit at the front desk, and I, you know, the money like payroll is so high, so I wanted her to be productive. So I'd give her to random tasks, and she didn't really have a lot of direction. Should I call people? Should I create a social media account? Should I post? Should I talk to customers? And that was what was a turning point because I realized that in order for me to know what to do day to day for myself or for the staff, I needed to create a funnel, a fitness marketing funnel where I could get leads and people could call these leads back. We could follow up with them, see if they signed up. And also we needed a formal sales pitch and we needed a formal tour of the gym and formal packages. So I went about starting creating those things and some of it I used from the old gym and I tried to snazz it up. I remember the first time, one of the, I was so afraid. I didn't, I never owned a gym before and I never worked at a gym even as a front desk person. Although I loved going to the gym. I, I mean, I think that that's, that's why I started the gym. Like, I don't know if that's naive or not. I, I think it is. <laughs> but the thing is, I, if I just had to buckle down, the hardest thing was, was, I wasn't, we weren't making money. I mean, when you open a fitness studio, you have real hard costs that happen. They call them fixed costs every month. And you got to make sure you pay your rent and pay your payroll and pay your utilities, pay your insurance. And I definitely didn't take a salary in the first few months. And I was, I actually thought I was going to lose everything because I had a, I had purchased the equipment and the space and it was a lot of, it was all my savings. I think I took out a loan and I thought, oh God, th this is it for me. I'm, I'm going to lose everything. But I asked myself the question, how do I get more leads? Hey, thanks for listening. It's time for our quick break. So the idea I had is that we need to help the world focus on being healthy and not worry so much about getting sick. This way they can feel empowered and actually improve their health by showing them how to boost their immune system. I definitely wanted to improve my immunity because of this virus, so I started reading up on it. And I thought to myself, besides just sharing recipes and immunity how-tos, 
How could we take the need to improve our immunity, which would definitely help the crisis and also make it exciting for this sort of boring time for us at home? And how could we do it in a way so trainers can create online revenue quickly? Stay tuned for the end of the show and I'm going to explain my new idea. Okay, back to the show. How do I turn that time that that staff person sitting at that desk into productive time and have clear things for them to do or clear things for me to do to follow up with customers? And that's where I really started developing like a fitness funnel. So from there, I started to, I would, it was like June. So two or three months after I opened the gym and I got my P&L and I realized I lost like $5,000 and I was on track to lose that much if we didn't increase sales. And at the time, I was just sitting behind the desk trying to get the gym organized and the software set up. And I had a manager and I was depending on her. And that was a bad idea. I didn't know her very well. I had inherited her and I thought she would know how to do things, but that was terrible. Uh, so I just, I was like, it's up to me. So I went outside and I was like, I need to talk to every person and get get them to try to come and check out the gym and sign up and I think that first day that I went out, I I got two people to sign up and I thought, okay, if they're worth about $700 each over time, you know, I just made $1,400 in a day. So let me keep doing this. So I kept doing it. I kept getting better. Uh, I I developed my own script and in this way where I could actually talk to customers on the street who randomly didn't know me and get them to open up about their fitness goals. What what were they trying to achieve and get them to trust me and want to talk to me and be excited that they met me and actually come in within like a few days or a week to check it out and and often sign up. So that was the turning point. And then I, I, you know, I systemized that. And then I was like, okay, now we have people coming in. Now we need to know if we're following up with them because yeah, we, we got their information, they often don't come in. So I was like, I need a software where we put in the customer's information and our tracking system. And then if they don't sign up, we'll call them back three days later, we'll call them back. And I realized we needed automation emails so that they could, we could email them since some people don't answer the phone, they won't check their voicemail. We did not have text message. Uh, That would have been helpful at that time. We eventually did get it. And so slowly I started, to, we started to get tons of leads in and we started to get all these customers that we could follow up with. And then I started creating training manuals and how-to systems. And then it became, we're not just, not, it wasn't just me who could get customers to come in. I, we, I could have other people talk to clients outside and get customers to come in. And we did some advertising and then I had other, you know, staff people to talk to customer, call them and hopefully come in. But later on, a few days, weeks, months later, I realized the value now was the mailing list because I had all these emails of people that I spoke to at some point, but they didn't come in. And now I could make use of that. So before it felt like a total loss of a sale because I spent, (laughs) you know, sometimes like 15 minutes talking to them and then they, they were, they were busy and then I called them and they didn't come in. But now I could email them and 
help them to come in when it was ready or something exciting was happening. And this is where I decided to run my first fitness challenge. So I heard about running a fitness challenge and how you can make all this money and I was so excited. So I thought, well, I guess, I mean, I just want it to be exciting. I just want people to come in at this point because I'm spending all this time passing out flyers. So I made it free and it was going to be free for anyone who wants to come to the gym. And I think I made it free. And then I printed up some meal plans and had some workouts. I printed up and I took tons of flyers up all over the, the place. And I mean, I think it helped. It's just that I, I I did some decent marketing, but the actual challenge, I didn't have a lot of experience at that time of how to make it engaging. And I didn't have any money really because it was my first challenge. But no, I mean, not not just because I was losing a ton of money every month. I, I just, it was a free challenge. So I wasn't making any money from the challenge. So this might be your situation if you're running a fitness challenge, but what happened is, is it was really the start to my next challenge. And, and I had that first challenge, I had like a worksheet, they filled it out. But I really don't think that many people participated because I had low resources and staff. I didn't have any education on how to really keep the energy going. And I didn't have any prizes. It was free. So anyone could really be part of it. So they weren't really dedicated. And I think for me, if I think if I was more on top of it, maybe I could have kept it going, but I was still trying to start this business. So even my own personal time, I didn't have. But overall, I mean, I think that it, it got the right idea and it created presence for people who never even came in. They saw our posters. So I'm going to give myself a high five. We're getting started. But the good news is, is, you know, six months later, we started to break even, even make a little bit of money. And literally a year later, I mean, we were, I remember a month later, April 2015, we made 40, like 42 or $44,000 in the first, in, uh, in a month. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I was like, I was actually making money. And that fall, a few months later in that September, I ran my first real challenge and I call real and that put a lot of time into it. We got all the trainers excited about it. And we offered cool prizes and a challenge book, a success manual, how to. And we had a start, a pre challenge and post challenge event to really promote it. We had some workshops. It was just really exciting. And I think that that helped us maintain a strong sales for that. I think we got to 44 or something for that two months, 44,000. So that was awesome, but it was like a lot of work. And I've done a lot of challenges ever since then. And that's really what kept the momentum up. And I basically, I mean, over five years, I don't know, we were on like seven challenges maybe. And all kinds. We did a detox challenge. I did this turn up the burn challenge where it was also free and it's more to get people to come in during the winter months. We did a little black dress where it was a longer challenge to really get results and did a no BS challenge, which was more like a shorter challenge and just trying to focus on getting rid of sugar. 
And our biggest challenge was a 21-day fitness challenge. And we did like a race before and after. And we, you know, made it very strength-focused. And we did a success manual. All and got tons of photos, lots of energy. Everyone always loved it. So that that was one of our best. And I like that it was consistent. We did it every year. So everyone could count on it. So I that's kind of my fitness journey. And we hit half a million dollars by the is it the second or third year uh being in business. And it was a great business. I after five years, I decided that it was time for me to focus on being a coach myself. So I sold the business and I'm like, I'm so excited because I've always been in the back creating challenges, creating marketing campaigns, creating tutorials. And I loved to train and share it with other people. And I felt like I could see that. I could, I could see how other personal trainers loved to coach and see that excitement in their their clients' eyes. And I wanted that. So this is me getting to be a coach and and I want to help every fitness professional, every fitness business who has a fitness business, I want to help them grow and just feel excited and, and in control of their business and feel like they're growing um, their clients and making more money but still getting enough time for themselves. So that's my goal. And in, in the next podcast, we are going to talk about how to create your own challenge so that you can get more customers, the different ways to run a challenge. And I guess I just want to know, what do you want to know about running either a fitness challenge or a marketing campaign? We ran a lot of those, including refer a friend, bring a friend in. And we did a lot of sales promotions, email blasts. So what do you want to know about getting your marketing going so you can get more clients? Message me. And if you are uh, a fitness professional who has a lot of insight and you want to share, love to have you on the show. We have a few spots open for this the winter spring. Okay, I can't wait to get 2020 started for us and get a lot of clients. Message me and I'll talk to you in the next podcast. thanks for listening. So my realization that would help you get more clients online and help clients at home feel excited, energized, and safer from this coronavirus is immunity. But then my second aha was that if we do an immunity boost challenge, you could even use it as a lead generator and sell immunity boost challenge packages for your online training business. What do you think about it? Oh, I have three freebies. Number one, get your full edited transcription with bullet points of the key lessons from today's show on our website, fitnesssecrets.co. That's fitnesssecrets with an S at the end, .co. While you're there, subscribe to our newsletter, which gets you access to our monthly freebie marketing and operations content that you can use for your own fitness business. Freebie number two. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe to the show in your podcast player by hitting the subscribe button. Since the show happens because of listeners like you, could you also leave a review? If you email us your review at support at fitnessecrets.co, you'll receive a complimentary one-hour coaching call with me and a $150 credit towards the first challenge that we will be releasing soon. Finally, freebie number three. We started the Fitness Secrets Facebook group. 
I know thinking and designing of new marketing campaigns, planning out your operations each month for your fitness clients is exhausting. Our goal is for the group to help you plan out your marketing, plan out your operations so you can get more clients efficiently. To join, go to facebook.com and search Fitness Business Secrets. Thanks so much for listening. I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode.